Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. What is that? That's what manna means, is what is it? Come on, that's awesome. So when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness, they were out with Moses and they were out in the wilderness for like a month and a half. And after they plundered the Egyptians, basically, they've come to the end of their food supplies and they go to Moses and they're stressed. And they're like, Moses, we have no food. What, what kind of God is this that's going to bring us out of the wilderness? If only we just, if only we died at the hands of Pharaoh, if only we were still in slavery, because back in Egypt, we had all the food we could eat. I mean, was that true? No, they were in slavery. And so they go to Moses, Moses, what are you going to do? Help us, help us. Ah. And so Moses goes to God and says, God, these people are complaining against me. They're whining. They're questioning that you are a provider. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, tell them tomorrow morning, I'm going to provide for them. Whenever the dew settles and evaporates, there's going to be left behind these white, circular, crusty things. And tell the people to go out of their tents and to gather it up and grind it and make bread. I'm going to provide bread from heaven every day for my people. And he would. Every day for 40 years, across two generations, he provided enough bread to feed what the Bible calculates is about 600,000 men, not including men and women and children. For 40 years, and the Bible says that manna fell every day up until they crossed into Canaan, into the promised land. The day after that they ate of the fruit of Canaan, the manna stopped. It was God's provision in the wilderness. It was God taking care of his people. What kind of provisions does God give us people today? What are some of those things that whenever we are in wildernesses or deserts in our spiritual lives or, or going through difficult times with family or school or whatever, what are those provisions that God gives us now? Because he is still a good father. He is still looking out for us. He is still our provider. So what does he give us today for his people? Grab that and put that in your pocket for a second. Stress. It's part of life. Right? There's never going to be a portion of our lives or some country we can live to or some sort of utopia where we will be stress-free. Some of the common sources of stress are job pressures, money, health, relationships, poor nutrition. Get this. This is actually media overload. Wow. Politics, a lack of sleep. And if it's left unrecognized and unchecked, stress can actually cause destructive symptoms in our lives. 73% of people have psychological symptoms caused by stress. Things like irritability or anger, nervousness, a lack of energy, even depression can be caused by long-term stress. 77% of people experience physical symptoms as a byproduct of stress. Fatigue, headaches, upset stomach, muscle tension, a change in appetite, grinding our teeth. There's like an endless list. I've got a whole picture of a long list of things that, that cause stress. It's just too worried to throw up there. High blood pressure. Wow. It affects girls in crazy ways too. Heartburn, headaches, increased depression. 
guys, yeah, it affects you guys in some guy ways too. Does our Heavenly Father, does our provider, does he give us provision for dealing with daily stress? Let's look at the story that I'm talking about, about this manna. Exodus 16, we're going to start in verse 29, and we're going to look at one of the principles that God is doing with his provision. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and it tastes was like wafers made with honey. I mean, if you're going to be stuck eating something every day, honey is not bad. I love honey. I'm like Pooh Bear or something. Its taste was like wafers made with honey. And God gave them direction. I'm going to, I'm going to put man on the ground every day for you, six days a week. But on the sixth day, I want you to go out of your tent, and I want you to gather double so that on the seventh day, you can rest. You know what's crazy what God did with this manna stuff? There's no reasonable explanation. The people that went out and they gathered more than enough for themselves on all the other days of the week, they'd be like, okay, I'm going to gather more than enough. The next morning when they opened it up to try to eat what they gathered yesterday, it'd be full of worms and rotted. Except on the sixth day when God told them, gather more than enough, gather twice as much, and then it was fresh the next morning. It's crazy. But God is teaching his people something. He's teaching them to rest. He's teaching them who their provider is. Because so many of us want to be our own provider. We would be like, if we were the children of Israel, we'd be like, man, I'm going out on the seventh day. I got to provide for my family. I got to do it. And God's going, slow down. I'm taking care of things for you. Do you trust me enough to eat six days a week? Do you trust me to eat on the seventh, but by my provision? A little bit later in our story, God is going to give them the Ten Commandments. Note that they're not the Ten Divine Recommendations. God teaches by example. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, this is one of his commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you'll labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, even people that work for you. Take time off. Take the day. Your cattle, your stranger is within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God is not only giving his people a principle, but he's showing how he himself set the example for the principle. Why is he doing this? It's because every one of us and everyone you'll ever lock eyes with has something in common. We all need rest. And the creator of your body, the creator of the universe, knew that our minds, our spirits, and our hearts needed, and our bodies, did I say bodies? Body, mind, spirit, need rest. Number one, rest is a gift from God. Mark chapter two, they're upset with Jesus because the Pharisees interpreted that when God said, take a day of rest, you couldn't do anything. You had to like, I don't know, sit on your rear end all day. And I don't were they allowed to play games? I don't know. Were they playing Monopoly on the Sabbath? I don't know. 
but they interpret it as you're not allowed to go out and pluck wheat. And so Jesus' disciples are walking from one place to the other, and they grab some stalks off the wheat as a snack, and everybody gets all mad at Jesus. Jesus, how can you let him do this on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, slow down, calm down. <laughs> Take a breath, in, out. Guys, don't you know that Sabbath was made for the benefit of man? Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was a gift for man to be for his benefit. Like the manna for the Israelites, the Sabbath, which means a rest from work, is a gift from God to us. Any quality athlete, coach, trainer is going to tell you that every regimen, every training thing you do is going to require days of giving your body rest. I got this quote from a very reliable online source. Rest is important because this is the time that the body adapts to the stress of exercise, and the real training takes effect during this. Recovery also allows the body to replenish energy stores and repair damaged tissue. I don't know about you, but I could use a little restoration in my life. My spirit, my heart, my emotions are needing the opportunity to cope with the stress of life and to repair and to relax a little bit. This is from a Buddhist monk who was noted by Martin Luther King as an apostle of peace and nonviolence. And you know what? Truth is truth wherever you find it. I'm going, to try, I'm going to butcher his name. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh. Can anybody say that better than me? Do you know who I'm talking about? Little shriveled monk guy. Wise guy. He says this. We humans have lost the wisdom of genuinely resting and relaxing. We worry too much. We don't allow our bodies to heal, and we don't allow our minds and hearts to heal. Not giving our minds, emotions, and spirit the chance to heal is going to have lasting consequences. Have any of you guys ever experienced, or maybe you're in right now, a spiritual dry season? You just feel disconnected. You can pray, you can worship everything, and you just feel wilderness. Have you tried rest? Have you tried giving yourself the opportunity to soak in the presence of God, to step away for a little while and breathe? I love that Jesus says this, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, and I will give you rest. A characteristic of growth toward Jesus is rest. Hello? Did y'all catch that? As we grow closer to Christ, Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. As we grow closer and closer to Christ, we experience quality rest. We learn and form a discipline of quality rest as we grow closer and closer to Christ. It's one of the components that he desires to hardwire into his people so that we can be effective. Maria Goff, an author that Jackie and I appreciate, she wrote the book, Love Lives Here. She says, the people who accomplish the most rest well. And she also says that in rest, the pressures, don't miss this, the pressures of what we do are replaced with remembering who we are. Ooh, 
That is so good. We, we live our lives rushing to the next thing and booking our schedule and booking our schedule. You know, I once heard somebody say to a pastor, hey, I'd like to get together with you. Are you free on Friday? And the pastor said, I'm not doing anything on Friday. Great, I can't wait to see you there. No, 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 you misunderstood me. I'm not doing anything on Friday. Those who are the most effective know how to rest well. God is calling us to be people who work hard, people that go the distance, that are shown for the merit of our efforts. And he is also calling us to be people that know how to have quality rest, to recognize its value, to take advantage, to obey God in rest. Notice this. What's our point here? That rest is a gift from God. Notice how manna tasted like honey. It was keeping them alive. God could have made it taste like anything. It didn't matter. They should be thankful anyway. They're alive. They have something to eat. But God is a good God who wants to bless them. And so he gave them a daily portion that tasted sweet. God gives us sweet rest. It's a gift from God for our benefit. Point number two, rest is actually a step of faith. Let's look at Exodus chapter 16 again. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. That's interesting. Whether they will walk in my law or not, and it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Let's now jump a little bit later in the story. We're going to read some verses over again, but I want you to catch a couple of verses beforehand. We're going to jump to verse 23. God is testing them with this principle. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake today, boil what you'll boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you'll gather, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath. There'll be none. Now watch this. Now, it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found nothing. And the Lord said to Moses, now the Lord gets upset, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. We read this part. And it was like white coriander seed. And it tasted like wafers made with honey. What was the test? The test was obedience. Will you trust me? Will you believe that you don't have to work seven days for you to survive? Will you be my people and believe that I am provider, that I am Jehovah Jireh? Who is provider in this situation? Are you going to trust me? That I can take care of you? God's not upset because they ate. He's upset because they didn't trust him and because they didn't obey. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Who was Israel's provider? Did he love them enough? Did he give sufficiently? Could they depend on him? Are you ready? Let's flip the script. That was a weird noise. Who's our provider? Does he love us enough? Does he give sufficiently to us? 
Can we depend on him? It's easy to say with our mouths, yeah, yeah, God's my provider, when we may get passed over for a job. Or our math says that if we don't work all seven days, if we don't just, we have to work, 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 or we're not going to be able to pay our bills. We're really easily say, swayed into being self-sufficient. But resting takes a step of faith. It's not easy. This is, this is controversial stuff because it doesn't fit our, our 21st century American Christianity. Remember whenever I was trying to make my way through college and pay bills because my family's poor. And I'm looking for a job and I got passed over by four jobs because I wouldn't work on Sunday. Now, I want to be clear. Like, again, the Sabbath is made for man. Now, the, now the Israel saw the Sabbath as the seventh day. In Christianity, we see the Sabbath as Sunday because it's the day that Christ rose again. I don't think the principle is a specific day. I think the principle is repeated, regular tithe of our time to God for rest. That on a weekly basis, we are saying, God, I trust you enough, you get today. I'm going to rest. I'm going to accept the gift that you have for me and believe in you. Four jobs said, no, sorry, if you're not willing to work on Sunday, we won't hire you. And then God came out of nowhere and opened up a job. And the boss actually said, look, 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 you're supposed to work on Sunday, but I'm just going to scratch it off your schedule and it's yours. And God honored me and blessed me for that. And I'm telling you, three years later, and I was only working during the school year, summers I was going home and I have to come back and get my job again. I was the highest paid staff member that wasn't a manager because God saw faithfulness and saw that I was willing to sacrifice and say, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to honor my God. I trust him as my provider. Y'all heard of Chick-fil-A? Y'all know where I'm going with this? Here's an interesting article that I found. Can y'all pay attention for just a second while I read this? Just, just kind of lock in on my voice. According to Chick-fil-A's published explanation, their closed on Sunday policy is a reflection of the Christian foundations of the company. And the belief that giving every employee a day of rest to do with as they will, the company will attract quality people. I like that. When Truett Cathy, the president, was just getting started, it was based on a Christian doctrine. He was determined not to deal with money on the Lord's day. Whatever the initial motivation, however, the closed on Sunday policy as an employee benefit has been pointed to as an explanation for the remarkable success of the company. You know, logic would suggest that closing on Sunday would cost Chick-fil-A approximately at least one-seventh of their revenue. According to relatively simple math worked out here, that adds up to just over $1 billion per year, which is certainly no small amount of money. And that would be the end of the story if you didn't know how much money they actually make. Despite having relatively few stores compared to other fast food chains, Chick-fil-A rakes in a huge amount of cash. And when you look at the average income per location, they leave everyone else in the dust. As of 2014, Chick-fil-A sat at number eight. Hold that number. Number eight in the U.S. for sales. But when it's divided by location, they jump to number one, even over McDonald's, as income per location. And that is without opening on Sundays, six days a week of income. I don't think it's a hard line to draw and say because someone was willing to honor God that God honored them. 
because someone was able to sacrifice. I bet you that was a really tough plan to bring to partners and other you know, entrepreneurs that wanted to open a business and say, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to lose a seventh of our cash. I'm sorry, but if you're going to work for us, if you're going to open up a location for us or a branch for us, here's our principle, here's our rule, and we're not going to give on it. And God said, I like you. I'm going to bless you. First Samuel 2.30, God makes it very clear. He who honors me, I will honor. If we're willing to sacrifice for him, if we're willing to be obedient in the face of even loss, if we're willing to exercise our faith and say, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, not myself, God will bless us. Jesus says it beautifully. I can't say it better. Matthew 6, 25. Popular, popular verses worth memorizing. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body but what, or what you'll put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? Who's going to get taller in here by worrying? Who's going to live longer by worrying? Stress makes you live less. And for guys, it has other adverse effects. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Non-believers are always seeking after this stuff. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that stuff is going to be added to you. If you're like most Americans, you're right now having an internal monologue that goes like this. I'm sorry, I don't have time to rest. I have a busy schedule. I have school, then I have work, then I have extracurricular activities, and then I've got to study, and then I've got papers to write, and then my family hasn't seen me, and you're, you're running through all of these impossibilities. Point number three, we are called to gather rest. In the same way that God sent them out, they didn't get off easy. They weren't like, hey, bread's going to show up in your tent. God sent them out. They had to go out. They had to work. They had to toil. They had to grind. They had to take advantage. God was their provider, but they had to seek it. We are called to gather rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, that we just read, where Jesus says, come to me, all you, those who are weary. He opens up with the word, come. It's not a passive word. It's an action word. Come. Come to me, those of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. A straightforward explanation of God's command to rest, of Sabbath, is don't work for money on the Sabbath day. That's straightforward. But if we were to look at the spirit and the heart of the Bible, the spirit, we look at things like Ecclesiastes that repeats over and over again, eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. Psalms 3, 5, and 4, 8 talk about if we will rest in him, we'll have sweet sleep. Jesus himself in Luke 5, 16 says that Jesus often often withdrew to the wilderness to be alone. Even in the craziestness of Jesus' ministry, he was stepping away to find rest. Isn't it true that we often sleepwalk through the day in our exhaustion? Isn't it true that when we finally go to bed, we lay awake at night stressing over what we did that day or what we have coming up for tomorrow? God intends for us 
to be efficient, peak level people for him. And he gives us rest. God is commissioning us, commissioning us to take hold of it. Sleep, yes, but also decompression. Find a place of safety. Retreat to a park or a stream or your closet or whatever it takes to find a place away to decompress. Go there often, make it yours. And as Maria Goff says, when you leave, tell it you'll be right back. So here's my challenge for this week. As people that are going to obey God and rest, that recognize that rest is a gift, that rest takes obedience, and that rest takes our being intentional, purposeful, sacrificially seeking it. Challenge number one, or part one, it's actually a full challenge with two parts. Number one, here's my challenge. It's simple, it's easy, it's scary, but I have faith in you. Designate a day between now and next Wednesday to have a full-blown media fast. Now, if you got schoolwork you got to do online, do your schoolwork. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the YouTube and Instagram and all those things that fill up our time, that fill up our minds. Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Take a media fast. 24 hours. Don't go see a movie. Skip watching TV with the fam. I don't know what you do. Doing this for hours and hours and hours on your phone after you went to bed. Take a media fast. 24 hours. Watch what happens with that time that you have. Take that extra space and that time and give it to the Lord for rest. And part two of this challenge is, since you are now cutting something out of your life, that you are seeking rest, that you're being obedient to the Lord. I'm not saying you're being disobedient if you don't take my challenge. But if you decide to take the challenge, part two, journal about it. Take 10 minutes and write down, this is what my day was like. Here's the pros and cons of my media fast. Here's what I learned from the Lord when I took a date with God since I had some extra time today. Here's how I interacted with my family. Here's the things that I actually really struggled with. Here's the things that went wrong. Journal about it. So simple. A day, 24 hours of a media fast, and then journal about how it went. Rest. It's a gift from God. It takes faith. And we have to be intentional about seeking it and finding it and cutting out time for it and saying, this is, I'm not doing anything today. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm not doing anything with this time. Heavenly Father, you are the God of our bodies, of our minds, of our spirits, and you saw fit from the beginning of creation to lay the example that this was important, to command it of your people, to seek it, to make it happen. Lord, I pray that you are planting seeds in these students before they jump into the workforce, before they take on families and all these things that you are planting a principle in them that is going to help them be efficient and strong and sharp, that's going to give them mental clarity, that's going to give them spiritual awareness, that's going to give them a physical rejuvenation. Lord, I pray that you give them the faith to believe that you can provide for them even if they don't work seven days a week. Even if they do take a chunk of time in the middle of their week, to give to you, even in sacrifice. Challenge them, equip them. Me, challenge me and equip me too, Lord. I need rest. I'm tired. Lord, have your way in your people. Thank you that you are the God of hard work and thank you that you are the God of, that wrote Ecclesiastes and told us that we're supposed to eat, drink, and enjoy the fruits of our labor. We're supposed to rest. 
Lord, have your way in us. Bless these small groups. Bless the e-group leaders. Open up our minds. Create good discussion. In Jesus' name, amen.